0: Thank Welcome to a very special edition of Real Chronicles brought to you by Realtalking.com. I am joined with today, Mr. Leo. Yo! Mr. Ryan.
1: What's happening?
0: And as always, I'm David.
1: And nobody else, that's (laughs) it. And that's it.
0: (laughs) There's nobody else. For the 87th week in a row, Jenny says... Fuck you guys. Fuck you guys! <laughs> I'm out. I want nothing to do with you. I'm guys. married. I
2: live with you. I don't need to talk to you anymore. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she,
0: t- she told me she told me before we started recording. She's heading back to Titan. And when <laughs> I asked her what Titan was, she says the jacuzzi in our se- on our second floor. So that just shows how much she cares about us.
1: There it is. Yeah. I
0: think it's Ryan. Yeah, probably.
1: Ryan just talks too much. He, he see. That's the thing.
0: Ryan's sneaky. <laughs> Ryan's very quiet sometimes on the podcast. He lets us talk, and then when we least expect it, hot take. Yeah, you are Groot. I do? Oh,
2: you that's a really are good Groot. One. Oh, I take that as the highest of honors. Because you
0: know, Groot. Like, I don't like Vin Diesel. We've talked about it <laughs> out here, but Groot is one of the only people in the or creatures in the MCU that has made me cry. Like. Yeah. Balls deep cry because that scene in Guardian still gets me every time I watch it.
2: And we it's... uh, Groot. us That sound more like E.T., sorry. Ryan, let's
0: not... I'm glad <laughs> you said that because before we get into our main topic today, which we are going to talk about the Irishman, and we're going to reel it all the way back to 1975 for the 45th anniversary of The Godfather Part Two, and we're going to dive into that. But before we get started, just a quick bit of news uh, Ryan, you kinda segued into it. Did you guys see the E.T. commercial yesterday? Yeah. I actually dude. did not get the chance yet. <laughs> um, so like E. T. makes me ball. Like I I cry, 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 cry. And um I never knew how much I wanted this commercial until I saw <laughs> it yesterday. <laughs> like I was when when Ellie comes out of the house and he's like, You came home or you came
1: back? I was like, yo, you asshole! <laughs>
0: it's Thanksgiving. I'm not really in the mood to cry.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Did you see the commercial? So it's funny. This uh, this other commercial that aired as well. Although I, I'm pretty sure it aired beforehand, but it was an Apple Apple commercial. Yeah. Um, and it had um, it's about like these two daughters and how they worked on the presentation for a gift for their grandfather. The whole time, the background music to this, because this goes right hand in hand with our uh, our episode on scores, scores. Yeah. It's the music to up.
0: Oh, that's terrible. Dude, that is I'm like, terrible.
1: I'm like I'm welling up at this and I'm like this is not even
2: fair. That's <laughs> not even right. I
1: don't like that at all. It's too much, man.
0: Apple Apple's too much. Fun fun fact. We were watching we Jenny and I were like going through Disney Plus on I don't know sometime during the week and she was like let's watch an animated movie.
1: And I was like Big Hero 6. Big Hero Six. Wally. Wally. Well,
0: we ended up not watching what I was going what I was going to okay. say. We ended up switching to something else, but I put on Up. Uh, I I couldn't get, like, two minutes in. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. It's not going to g- do that to myself. It's not too gonna much. Not going to do that to myself. Um, but, yeah, the, the commercial is really adorable. Yeah. It's on YouTube right now, and it's for Xfinity, right, or something uh, like I that? I think so. Yeah, yeah so you guys, definitely check it out. The other bit of news, Ryan, I'll let you take over because you wanted to talk about this. Go ahead.
2: Um, was it yesterday or the day before? I think it was yesterday. The video dropped of uh, TV Supergirl, Melissa Benoist. Uh, pouring her heart out about being a victim of domestic violence. And I just really wanted to give her a shout out for having the courage. Yeah. You know, the woman who, like I just said, plays Supergirl, the strongest women, woman, one man, sorry, known to, like, you know, comics pretty much, is, was a uh, victim. And to have that and to show that and to be as detailed and also to keep it together. I'll give her that. I'm not sure if anyone's watched the video. But to keep it together as well as she did, I have to give her kudos.
0: And that's why she's our Supergirl, because that takes exactly. an yeah. enormous amount of strength to come Absolutely. out like that. Absolutely. So, I must say, we are blessed with our female representation in the in the comic book world. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm thinking about it. We have Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. We have Melissa Benos, Super Supergirl. Um, despite what we've said about her, Ruby Rose, yay, Batwoman. <laughs> Batwoman,
1: uh, we have... Uh, uh, Brie Larson. We have uh, we. By
0: the way, Bt Duff. For anyone that like, because everyone seems to hate Brie Larson, we like Brie Larson here. Oh, we love. Brie you Larson. can like stop yeah. listening now if you are going to hate <laughs> on Brie Larson because we don't we don't bash Brie Larson here. Yeah. We we love her. Yeah, Brie She's Larson,
1: great. Scarlett Johansson, uh, yeah. Zoe Saldana.
0: S- speaking of of uh, Scarjo, you you love everything Marvel. I I do. I I, I <laughs> even though I shouldn't anymore, I am hesitant on certain Marvel movies. Fair. When I heard Black Widow was getting her movie, I was like, oh, they're just doing it because, you know, they're paying back for all the great work she's done. I'm, like, super excited for this. Yes. The more I hear about it, the more I think, I'm like, this is going to be, like, Winter Soldier times
1: 20. Dude, That's you read, You just took the words right out of my mouth. It feels like it's going to be, like, a spy thriller yep. about superheroes, but it's a spy thriller. I just want to know
0: how it connects to everything because Feige is yeah. Feige does what he does and... Uh, I'm sure this will connect to Phase 4, so just wanted to point that out there. And then the other bit of news is DC-related. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I don't know what to think. I'm not really a Superman fan, but it was released earlier this week, and we reported on the site as well, that Michael B. Jordan met with Warner Brothers in
1: order to pitch a Superman story. Thoughts? Um, it's funny. This uh, this kind of thing happened like months ago. I remember like Michael B. Jordan's name being dropped again about Superman, and how people just started that whole race card, like negativity and toxicity about like you know how could they do this, you know Superman isn't what is uh, isn't black, and I remember thinking like, and I read this online too. It's like no one should be upset. At the race of Superman, because he's because an Superman alien? Superman not even human. <laughs> like, unless you're Kryptonian, you should not have any say about the, like how Superman is depicted on film. Because uh, I agree. Can, can be- I play
2: devil's advocate here, though? <laughs> what? Oh my um, God, Ryan! Please. No, but Go ahead. it's similar to what I kind of said about Bruce Wayne and Bat and uh, Black Bruce Wayne. Well, um, you—it's hard to get the you know truth, justice, American way, Boy Scout. Because that's only what a white, middle American America, like a guy white guy will know is that America. He won't know, you know, the real America, let's be honest. Like, he won't be able to be that Boy Scout, I don't think, at least. Uh,
0: I think the Bruce Wayne one is a little bit, I think we've talked about here. Yeah. Bruce Wayne would yeah. not kind of work because if we're looking at Bruce Wayne, he comes from old money. Exactly. exactly. That's different. This is like I'm. I'm yeah. kind of with Leo on this. With like Superman, like but he's so just I an a, it's an care, it's an alien race, so it really
1: doesn't. Yeah, and actually, the thing with Superman, that I think like uh, uh, any minority would probably do yeah, well at. Would be because um, like Superman wasn't. Well, Clark Kent. dealt with that whole acceptance part of it Mm -hmm. so much like how marvel with mutants and acceptance there like the lgbt community took over and they're like "Oh, mutants are us it's a it's a it's a representation of us i think like any minority actor would be able to put a whole new section to uh
0: so i'm going to speak this into existence because i'm going to start preaching this now that we may get michael b as superman idris elba as (laughs) Jarell.
1: oh wow nice that would be such an awesome
0: i it literally just came to mind right now i'm like wait a minute i I think i want this more now
1: how old is uh is michael b jordan uh he's in his 30s 30s
0: but if we're gonna do this if this is gonna be another reboot we're gonna be on krypton again so Uh,
1: the reason i bring up his age is because i read something else of uh um another because michael b jordan is technically marvel right He's an MCU yes, actor. Yes, yes. Um, I read an article yeah. about another popular MCU actor that is also possibly being rumored to jump ship to DC. Who? Tom Holland. And there's rumors about him wanting to play a younger Batman. Um, okay. So, like, just kind of, like, putting it out there, like, if they cast Superman as Michael B. Jordan, that would probably not work too well out with Tom, Tom Holland it wouldn't. as Batman. The
0: reason is yeah. because they're already going young. They are. With right? our pats. There's a substantial age difference It's not yeah. like 20 years or anything but there's like enough to be an age difference but not enough to be a young batman and a young yes. batman kind of yes. thing i think yeah, yeah. i don't think it would work um yeah that would be interesting though
1: yeah i mean because i think it was an interview where they asked him like you know how do you feel what are you liking about this whole thing and he mentioned he's like that he loves playing spider-man it's been awesome for him but like one of the things that like a, a new challenge he would love to do he's like he would love to play batman uh, so that got everyone whispering and rumors and everything, uh, but it would be it'd be interesting. Um, the Michael B. Jordan thing, honestly, I think is cool. I think that's an interesting take on it. Um, I do kind of like. Uh, I I don't think society is quite at the point yet where it'll be accepted with open arms. No, nah, sucks. It, it sucks. <laughs> but uh, but it'd be cool. It'd be. I mean, I, I'd be down. I'd, look, it's Superman. You know what it'll do? It'll make Superman interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think yeah, we need that. <laughs> I'm not like, you know, crucifying me for this, but I've never, ever, ever found him interesting. No,
2: ever. I I like the animated show. That's about I, it. Like I think
3: yeah.
0: I think Christopher Reeve's movies is fun. I don't find him interesting. No, I just enjoy the movie. It's, yeah. I don't know. Maybe because I'm just a bat Batman Mark. To, it's like. I feel weird in a yeah. way for like, oh, this guy's just saying this because he loves Batman. It's not even that. It's just I never found him really interesting.
1: There's a lot of things that I guess like, even I never got too big into like the source material. I do actually, I do admit, though, I did read uh, I read up on uh, Death of Superman and re- Reign of the Superman. Um, so I did read up on that, and I, I think that's like, the most interesting of Superman I got was when he died. I think, <laughs> I think.
0: well, I'm, the, I'm on the same boat, so I've read Death of Superman and Reign of Superman. Uh, Red Sun is the one that Ooh. I keep hearing that is I it's a must read that it,
1: you don't like Superman. This can kind of that's open. the one where he's raised in like Soviet Russia. Yes. yes, Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So should be that should be interesting. So, so. Oh, yeah. So. So last bit of news for today. Nothing, nothing too crazy. It's just something I wanted to address. I wrote an article earlier this week regarding J.J. J. Abrams interview regarding them losing a Star Wars Rise of Skywalker <laughs> script, which ended up on eBay and we didn't know who it was. And now we know who it was. Do you know who it no, is? No. John Boyega. <laughs> no way. Yeah. The, the least interesting character in this entire new trilogy lost a script. I just I just found it funny that out of all the people I was talking to on Facebook, uh, I was talking to Ryan's wife, Casey, about this, like going <laughs> back and forth. And the most interesting, interesting thing about this is like, who? Who could it be? Who could it be? Yeah, for sure. And ends up being the most uninteresting character in the entire new trilogy.
2: Now, to be fair, I think he was a lot more interesting in Force Awakens than he was in Last Jedi. Totally agree.
0: Yeah, he had more to do.
2: I like, I like. Yeah, the... a lot more to do, and he was a lot more mysterious. Like, oh, like what's his background? Yeah, and, because you know, he was. Go ahead, right? Go, go ahead. ahead. No, like he's the first stormtrooper to fucking talk. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what. I, that's exactly
0: what I was gonna say. I'm like, it's interesting because you see this. How the stormtroopers are, I guess, just just raised to become what they are, and then yeah. this guy's just like rebels against yeah. them and joins the resistance, and you're just like, oh, this, what, could, go this, could, go this could go somewhere. This could go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's one thing, like, I love Last Jedi, but if there's one thing I agree with, what you say right? And Leo, they didn't really do much with them. They didn't. They didn't. Nah. I mean,
1: I think I think boyega has got some skill, and I think he would have done really good things with that role. And I'm hoping to God. <laughs> That maybe in uh, Rise of Skywalker, they expand like on his character a little. But like, yeah. he like did, who he is, he did nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, I guess got a lot. Got to do a lot of that for a lot of characters in part three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a um,
0: so there's a lot of YouTube videos saying that there was a screening of Rise of Skywalker. Interesting stuff. I don't believe a lot of that stuff. But I gotcha. yeah, it seems like. There's Now people are taking to YouTube to try to destroy it before it even gets released. But of course. It's yeah. still going to make all the money, yeah, so it, it doesn't really it matter. Is. It's crazy because when we first reported tickets went on sale, it was projected to top Avengers, not on the weekend, but like pre-sales. Yeah, yeah pre-sales. Were now great. it's only projected. Disney's being very conservative, conservative and only going 175 to 200. I will consider that a complete failure if that movie makes 175 only. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that nuts? (laughs) I mean, it's not going to be 300. That's never. uh, I can guarantee death, taxes, and that Avengers record, I don't think will ever be touched. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) All right. So that pretty much covers all the news I wanted to touch on today because I wanted to concentrate on two specific things. So the first thing we're going to dive into it's going to be a gangster film related episode because we're going to yeah. dive into Did you
1: plan this out by the way? Like the, <laughs> the way this worked out, it's like super hardcore just gangster. So, I
0: remember we I remember a couple of months ago we did one on The Godfather, and I yeah. said when we get to December, we're getting to the 45th anniversary, we're going to do Godfather 2. The Irishman came out on on Thanksgiving Eve, Eve, and I was like, "Oh, this kind of works really, really well." Yeah. <laughs> the f- the first thing before we dive into the irishman i posted something on instagram uh this weekend regarding how someone cut the irishman into a four part miniseries
1: wait, wait. <laughs> I, <saw that. laughs> I
0: put it on instagram and it's i put it as more satirical because mm-hmm. it's one of those like you sit there and you binge 3 and in- Three to six episodes or four to eight episodes of a series in one day, but you're gonna sit there and you can't and complain because I've seen a lot of complaints. The Irishman is too long. Too long, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stranger Things is eight episodes. That's eight hours. And you sit there and watch the whole thing. I
1: think the 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 fact that there's no like credits in the middle of it. Or I think that's what it is. Off. It scares people. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, where do I go pee? <laughs>
0: Three and a half hours in a movie theater can be intimidating to the casual movie Absolutely. Do not. It, it's kind of intimidating to me. And I'm like the snobbiest of the snobs. <laughs> but like, you're sitting at home. If you got to pee, you could just press yeah, pause. pause. Yeah. <laughs> So, but they split it up. It's uh, episode one. is called I Heard You Paint Houses. Oh, nice. And it goes from the start of the movie to 49 minutes in. Episode two is Hoffa. That's when um, Jimmy Hoffa is introduced. So you go from 49 minutes to 140. Episode three is What Kind of Fish? That's from 140 to 247. Oh, wow. Nice. And then the last one is It Is What It Is from episode four, which is the last pretty much 45 minutes of the movie. Pretty cool, but it's cool. It's not necessary. Just watch nah. a movie straight. Just watch it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like it's funny because I think David, you uh, you recommended a uh, a conversation on Netflix that yes. has like uh, it has Scorsese with Pacino, De Niro, and Pesci. Um and it's I definitely recommend it if you guys watch The Irishman I totally think right afterwards watching this conversation it's like about forty five minutes yeah. um but in it no I'm like going Scor- after this episode yeah dude, dude, I do. Ryan, so good right so you're good. gonna like
0: it they're just hanging out having dinner and yeah. just, just chatting about everything so good
1: and, oh nice um, and one of my favorite parts of it though is like they uh, they talk about the length of the film and Scorsese um he, he admitted to it he's like yeah he's like you know what like it it is long but he's like but this is one of those things that it's like. I can try to make it into a film for the movie theaters or it can like the platform could define something. He's like, he's like, I didn't care. I just needed to get it made. Mm -hmm. And like, he's like, I don't care how long it is at the end of the day. I just need to make this film. Um, So yeah, whether it's, I mean, three and a half hours would be pretty rough in a movie theater. uh, But like, if you can watch it in the comfort of your home, just, just watch it. (laughs) And I didn't, we
0: can, now we can get started talking more detail about it. I didn't, this is so full disclosure. I saw it in September at the New York Film Festival and in a movie theater. Yeah. And it flew by. And I was wondering how it would play here with distractions because there's no distractions. You know, you could watch it at home and there, no matter what, even for me, like it can be in a movie. But I talked to Leo and our buddy Kev on the regular. Yeah, yeah. And even watching a movie, you could get distracted even with that movie. Flew. I ne- honestly was not even on my phone too often when I was watching it at home. It was one of those... I think the movie is as deep a f- gangster film that you'll ever see. It's not a cliche gangster film you're not gonna walk in there and be yeah. like it's not bombs going off cars go- exploding or anything yeah, like that yeah. murders uh, throughout the movie you get that you get that <laughs> but yeah. it's not you that's the, not, the token ones yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the movie like I wrote in my review I think the Irishman looks at friendship love morality and life's constant imperfections I think it touches on everything and we're gonna get into it we're gonna get into spoilers so right now we'll keep it You'll spoiler keep it free level, yeah. just to like what we your our first thoughts from the movie and we'll dive into spoilers in a little bit. So that's my first two cents. Leo, what do you what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, so I mean like the second that it was announced, you know, Scorsese's attached, De Niro's attached, Pesci's attached, Pacino's attached. This is one of those movies that's like, I have no say, I have no no decision to make here. I need to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and like I'll and I'll be honest, like from the from the get, like I know some like classic gangster movies godfather godfather 2 which we'll be talking about in a little casino um like i they're really classic films but that whole gangster mindset lifestyle thing was never something that i really like loved or like wanted to see all the movies about Mm um i do i appreciate them like godfather one and two are amazing films but um but it wasn't like i was like i need to see every single gangster movie period because i saw that you ranked your 10 favorite gangster films and i'm like i'm looking at that list and i'm like there's a few of those that i haven't seen yet um but this movie like you said it it's not just a gangster movie Mm -hmm. and i think what what kind of like what i really loved about it is that when you trick like you just like just strip it down it's about loyalty. It's about loyalty amongst individuals. It's about um like questioning your identity and like what really defines you. Um, the performances are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um Pesci's performance for me stood out. I know you have certain views on yeah, yeah, yeah. other performances. Um uh, yeah, Anna Paquin surprised me. I didn't expect to see her. So um,
0: <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna touch on this, Rai. So she only has one line in, I think in the entire movie. It is, right, yeah. But her performance is so strong because yeah. of, it's all mannerism. That's for her performance. Yeah, it's totally. all a physical performance in terms of her relationship with her father and the decline of that relationship that yeah. we'll get into later. Um, it's <clears throat> so powerful. So powerful. So. Yeah. But go ahead. Keep going, um, Leo.
1: Yeah. The uh, the, uh, the CGI, the de- I was really interested to see how the mm-hmm. de-aging would work on those three characters. Um, because like, it's funny, the first time I ever noticed this kind of de-aging was with Marvel, uh, whenever they de-aged, uh, um, RDJ, right? at Civil War. RDJ, RDJ was de-aged. No, actually, um, um, uh, Pim, uh, Hank Pym, um, Michael Douglas. He was first. Michael Douglas was de-aged in Ant-Man. Um, and it was uh, it was one of those things where they had to de-age him at like a, in like in the beginning of Ant Man. 1. You're Right. Yep. You're um, right. Because now we've gotten accustomed to like, because Marvel, to the aging. Yeah, we will de-aging as a tech, but like you're the aging individuals that we all saw on screen as young, as young. Yeah. So you can't get away with really shoddy work. You have to de-age it to be accurate. So when I saw Michael Douglas get the age to a place where I remember him seeing movies him at that age, I knew it could be done. Um, and then seeing the way they de-age Pacino, Pesci, De Niro, it's like, it's really impressive stuff. I actually
0: think this is more impressive yes. because you were not de-aging them 30, 40 years. Yeah. You're going like through decades and a little, little bit of de-aging. De Niro got the most yeah. in the early on in the film. But you can see, Pacino, I think, is the littlest amount of de-aging. And when it's used, I think it's the most impressive. Very much so. Because I don't. I know how Pacino looks now, and I mean, yeah. we all do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just to see, like, a subtle little different, I'm like, that's not makeup. That's CGI, which the, is the, pretty. Um, the conversation that, that I mentioned, yes. that, that
1: episode, that the little, I guess, addition to the, to the movie, if you get a chance to watch it, watching that puts in perspective the amount of de-aging di- tech yep, that was how put difficult. in, like how impressive their acting was, period, because you get to see them as individuals. You're like, oh, wow, this is not the character you just portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, no, overall, I mean, The Irishman, I think the length of the film makes sense because you you literally touch on so much time worth of story. It's an epic. It's insane. Yeah, it's but it's, it's decades worth of story in there. So, like, yeah, I mean, to overall, I think there was an incredible film. Um, definitely recommend it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if the length of the film kind of frightens you by it, I definitely think breaking it up into little sections might work, Yeah, but I don't think you'll need it.
0: I don't think so either. All right, right. what do you think?
2: First of all, blue-eyed De Niro is very fucking distracting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's
0: not even as young De Niro. He's blue-eyed the entire, yes, yeah, I, yeah, I know, yeah. I know exactly. That was very distracting.
2: <laughs> no, I absolutely adored the movie. Like, I, uh... Flew by for me as well. I was watching it and then I had to go and I was waiting for Casey. And then it was like the last 15 minutes and I had to go do something. I'm like, damn it! And I couldn't wait for her to go to sleep so I can finish it. And I could and just beginning to end, it had me hooked. The acting was phenomenal. Um, the story progressed so well. Yeah. Scors, I would say Scorsese at his best. You know, in a year – and it's funny because in a year that we got Endgame, which was, like, you know, the perfect ending for Marvel fans, we got Reboot, which is great for us, Kev's, James Bond, fans. This was kind of like that for Scorsese in my eye. I think like, this, this yeah. was – wow. uh,
0: I actually – Rai, I'm glad you mentioned that. Sorry to cut you off. It's more on the – I think this was the his love letter and end chapter to his mob roots. Wow. I think this does everything perfect. I think it's, like, a greatest hits.
2: Greatest hits, yeah. Yeah. All you're missing is Ray Liotta. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, poor
0: Ray Liotta. Uh,
2: perfor- and it's funny, because we're talking about how this isn't really a mob movie. It's kind of, and this is a mob movie in the same way Joker is a comic book movie. It is, okay. but it isn't. It's a good
0: one. Very good. Oh, Very probably. good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, in terms of performances, uh, Leo kind of set it up before. Yeah, yeah. So we can get this straight up. This is the best Robert De Niro and Al Pacino have been in decades. Yeah, since ninety. I would (laughs) say this is Pacino's best performance since probably Heat. Wow. And that's nineteen ninety-five. Jeez. And this is probably De Niro's best performance. You're probably gonna shit on me for this, but I think De Niro's last really great performance was Meet the Parents. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) it, He's so he's so good in that. So I think he's fantastic in that. But um I think they work work really well together. And I'll get into Pesci in a second because they're yeah. kind of a yin to each other's yang. Um, De Niro's portrayal is subdued while Pacino is, he's, he's choose the scenery. But I think even despite that you get this Pacino classic Pacino anger filled shouting, but he still delivers a performance that's full of heart and humanity because when we get into spoilers, you sense fear in him that you didn't mm-hmm. at the beginning You have this confidence in Jimmy Hoffa that you see as more pretentious towards the end with the realization of what may or may not happen as opposed
1: to when you first meet him. He's like, yeah, I'm Jimmy Hoffa. And, you know, let me ask you a question, because I I feel like it's one of those like things that because you calling out like the last time these two greats. Right. They're cinematic legends. Yeah. But you haven't really felt the cinematic legendary performances recently. (laughs) Do you think it's because of who they were working with? Absolutely. With each other, with Scorsese. Like it's got to be Scorsese.
0: Listen, Scorsese is the greatest living director today. Yeah. I don't care about. I, I I mean, I watch a lot of films and I like a lot of directors. No one touches Martin Scorsese. I think he's he's like fine. He's like wine, man. It's just the yeah. older he gets, the better he gets. Like I I've I've seen myself, I did a Scorsese ranking yes uh yesterday, I threw it up on uh Thanksgiving weekend, and I saw myself, yeah, taxi driver's my number one, Goodfellas my number two, king of comedy is my number three. I put Irishman at four. You did. And that's not being prisoner of the moment. I feel, after a second viewing, so strongly about what he's trying to say here. He's not only... The movies, you see these people that are maturing, Pacino, De Niro, Pesci. They're older. They're more matured. And you see Scorsese mature with this film, as opposed to when you watch Goodfellas and Casino and Mean Streets and stuff like that. I think he's matured as a director, and you see it on display here. Now going to Pesci, I think Pesci. The first time I saw it, I thought he was fantastic. Complete opposite of anything we've ever seen him do before. Yeah, it's Pesci not being Pesci. (laughs) That's not what I walked into expecting. So I was taken back by, in a good way, taken back by, and I was like, "Wow, like he is a rather than being the hot tempered asshole that goes, he is the respected." pretty much my boss he is the boss mm-hmm. you're gonna do what he wants and he's never going to shout i can and, and rye you'll you'll definitely get where i'm coming from here it's like uh when old wrestlers from the 80s used to cut promos yeah one specific <laughs> wrestler would never shout and jake the snake roberts okay his mm-hmm. promos were always here you always keep your tone low or not even low at a normal tone yeah and people would be more fearful of that yeah pesci now once screamed and you knew he meant business every single time the second time i watched the movie i felt so much with his performance and i loved it even more and i couldn't stop thinking about it like how amazing he was absolutely it's crazy that this guy retired like 15 years ago or 13 years ago at this point and for him to come back hasn't done a movie in forever and to do what he did kudos to no ends and uh i didn't ask you Ryan. who who was your best in show
2: uh i gotta actually agree with you i gotta go with Pashi because like you said it was such a different Pashi that we're used to and i loved it it almost reminded me of uh in a good way because like uh, jojo rabbit what's her name renee the um from um the singing movies uh um, fat amy yeah fat amy what's her name? She, Anyway, Fat Amy and Jojo Rabbit, I loved her in that because... I'm sorry, Ryan. It was
0: how, I love you, Ryan, but she still fucking sucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but here's what I loved about her in that movie. It was so different from everything else I've seen yeah, her in. Yeah. Although, yeah, she kind of was similar, but it was so different at the same time. <clears throat> same thing, I, like, I loved Pesci and Goodfellas. one of my favorite performances of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was just, like you said, it was like so nice. And just, you can tell, like it as if they let... Pesci's character to live and he calmed the fuck down, I think this is exactly who he would have been.
0: And kudos to Thelma Shoemaker. Shunma- she's the editor of the movie. Oh, nice. Editing this movie was not easy.
2: <laughs> oh, I bet.
0: Not only do you you have to dealing with all the CGI making sure everything is edited to perfection when you're going from decade to decade to decade. It is a talent and I think she's going to win the Oscar. She's in my predictions to win the Oscar for, for editing. editing. I think... And you may think I'm crazy. I think this movie's winning visual effects.
1: No, you know what? It, I don't think it's crazy at all. Uh, I, although the only so the only drawback to it, and this is like and hear me out on this, the only three actors that were de-aged using tech
3: were those were three.
1: Pesci, De Niro, yeah. and, and and um and Pacino. Yep. Pacino. they're the only three. Yep, everyone else was done through makeup. Yep. So it, it would be one of those things where like if you have a movie like uh, like Rise of Skywalker. Where it's all CGI, it's a hundred percent those. So I, I, I would think maybe like the percentage of the amount of film that it is affected so, by, it maybe would go against. So
0: it. I would, I would normally agree, but I've been noticing a trend with where the Oscars are, or the Academy's going with uh, uh, visual, visual effects. effects. Have you ever seen the movie Ex Machina? Of course, yeah. That one visual effects. Okay. Last year. Infinity War was the favorite for the entire run and it lost to first man visual effects. I think they're going, they're trying to like make that a more prestige Interesting. category. And not to say those movies aren't prestige, no, but no, no, you know no, what no. I mean? For sure. Like, and I think this is an accomplishment of its own right with the de-aging of these guys that I think that they may go in that direction. And honestly, we love end game and the visual effects are always great. But I think Infinity War's visual Infinity effects War's were better. better. Yeah, so if Infinity War didn't win it, I don't think Endgame's, Endgame's going to win it. it. That's my my two cents. Yeah. I mean, they're still both great work, but I think Infinity War was superior to Endgame's visual effects. I, you know what?
1: Yeah. I mean, if so it's like if if Irishman wins visual effects, I'm not going to be mad. Yeah. It's, hey, like, it's I mean, one of those things where I'm like, it, it was incredible work. <laughs> like right now,
0: as much as I love Joker and as a movie and how I feel about it, obviously, I w- Joker is my number one movie of the year. Irishman is my number two, and it's, like, back and forth. One A, one B. Joaquin is the thing that puts it over for me, yeah, obviously. Absolutely. And, like, the s- specific messages of Joker. But I-, I think Irishman's winning Best Picture. I think Irishman's winning Picture, and I think Scorsese's winning Director. Nice. I, I don't think they're going to s- – the Academy is going to split this year. I don't know the if I've ever one in one. Yeah, yeah. I don't th- yeah. have I ever gotten into the, the whole split thing? No, no, no. So the, is it usually they go hand in hand or usually it goes hand in hand. The last couple of years they've been splitting a, a very weird amount, but usually I, I going to look this, I'm going to look this up real quick, but I think in the nineties, I don't think they split once.
2: Shoot. Oh, wow. And
0: then in the early 2000s, like when you knew it was kind of like a spoiler alert. When you know, when you saw who won director, oh, you assumed that you knew that's winning picture, oh, which shoot. makes sense. It does make sense. I never yeah. really understood a split. And I get the Academy wants to reward everybody. But I think if you're giving this movie best picture, the director is who directed it <laughs> should get the award well, of best director.
2: Uh, I don't know exactly what the criteria is, but I guess like with director, they look at how well the job was done by that particular director. With the movie, you got to take everything in, between the script, the actor, how well the actor Yo, are no, yeah, did. No, no, yeah, I agree. I think but, that's the overall. But a
0: part of it still is the direction of the film. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the director's well. vision. It's the director's vision. Yeah, so, so, you're, right, you're right. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with, with this, but I just don't think they're going to split this year. I think they've been splitting way too much. Um, I remember... Throughout this whole time of watching the Oscars, 2010 was the most bummed I ever was when I heard who won director because I knew it was over. Um, We're going to get into a decade's episodes in a few weeks, and I'm a huge, huge, huge social network fan, and that obviously (laughs) will be on my best of the decade list. (laughs) When Hooper won for King's Speech director, my heart dropped. I'm like, ah. And I stayed up, and I was like, I'm going to be a trooper. I'm just going to stay up to, like, 1230 and – See who won. But you already picture. assumed that it was over. And yeah. And it was King's Speech one picture. Yeah. And it was one of those like, oh, my God. It's funny because they started splitting more the uh, La La Land year. From La La Land on, they, I think uh, The Shape of Water. Oh, shoot. Guillermo won and the movie won picture. But then last okay. year was um, Afonso Cuaron won okay. director for Roma and then Green Book won picture. And then this year we'll see what happens. But when, when La La Land won, Chazelle won director, but then Moonlight won picture.
1: Moonlight, yeah, the, the infamous Moonlight win. Yeah, yeah. let not get on that. But going into uh, spoilers,
0: why,
2: David? <laughs> yeah, so Ryan, if, if anyone, if anyone has not, if anyone has not
1: watched the movie, this is the point where you put on earmuffs and you turn off or fast forward the podcast before you
0: fast forward, Ryan. I'm glad you asked it because you, I just want to. <laughs>
1: Leo doesn't know that what The
0: comparison to this. All right, so let's say. You are, and I know you hate this team, but let's say you're the New England Patriots uh, in 2000, in two thousand seven, and you go undefeated the entire season and going into the playoffs. That's what Lala La Land did. Going, then face, into, then go the into the, in the Oscars. The Super Bowl? Go into the Oscars. They won Best Picture at the Globes, Best Picture at BAFTA. They didn't get nominated for SAG Ensemble because I think it was just Emma, uh, Ryan, and I guess you can count John Legend. Okay. But it was mostly Emma and... It was an ensemble film. Fair, fair, fair. So everything it needed to win to get there, it won. And when you get to the Oscars and it wins cinematography, it wins score, yeah. it wins song, it wins director, it wins actress, and you get to the best picture and then it doesn't win. It's... yeah. I have a, I have a very big problem with that. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I think even worse was it won and then Then it got taken away from it (laughs) mid-ceremony and it's
0: funny because i i sound like i hate moonlight i know i like moonlight a lot
1: it was my number three of the year it's not like it it was just i love la la land so much yeah no that year i was i was team la la land the whole freaking award season Moonlight was oh, it was good it was enjoyable but I just didn't get the amount of like buy in as La La Land yeah no and like watching all the other awards you're seeing La La Land just destroy the competition so it, it, made, it made me ask more questions than anything it made yep. me like wonder like so who chooses what like which awards mean what kind of thing but like yep. it was confusing it was. I was very angry. <laughs> <laughs> we're tables <closed. laughs> I was very angry.
0: It's how I'm going to feel if Joaquin doesn't win actor, but not as angry because I know how the Academy works, so it also wouldn't shock me if he doesn't win actor. Got but, it. you know, we'll get to that in February. But now we get into spoilers, so <laughs> yeah, put, spoilers. The ear, put the earbuds in and fast forward for the next couple of minutes, yeah, and you're going to get a timestamp when we when – we, uh...
1: Yeah, we're, we are doing timestamps now.
0: <laughs> so, all right, so getting into
1: spoilers – I think everybody
2: dies. No. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, Ryan. You're definitely not wrong. There's a
1: gauntlet involved with stones.
0: <laughs> you're definitely not wrong. So, in terms of yeah,
1: true, death, age, gets them all. <laughs> so,
0: I think if we want to talk about like the Jimmy Hoffa death first, yeah. What do you did you? anticlimactic, right? So, yeah, yes. I
1: guess before we even go into the details of it, let's like definitely preface this by saying this whole story was for based like on an autobiography by by Frank. Yes. So like the original the actual person wrote this. This has not been confirmed. This is not 100% true fact. It's still disputed by a few different people. Um but yeah, that portion of it, I think you're right. I was a little like let down by it. I was expecting something more cinematic. Like maybe more conversation, more of like an actual like connection, uh, more of a struggle like internally, like him doubting his decision to do it. There was and you nothing. can see
0: he was though to that moment, and when he did yeah. it, it
1: was more on the okay, on to the next. But you know, I think I think I think that's that's I think to me that's exactly what the sign what the what that scene defined, um, because like to me one of the big themes in this was like Frank's just he was a soldier. He did what he was ordered to do through and through. Didn't ask many questions. He just followed orders. Uh and like even if he had an internal struggle with that, like even if he had doubts about the decision, he was a good soldier. So at the end of the day, he got the job done. He did. And I think he
0: always felt a need to repay yeah. Rusty for everything. Yeah. Because he's the one that kind of Got him Stunned there, whole thing, yeah. and he saved his life. Remember, early on in the movie, he went off, and it, was it a laundromat or something like that? That he went to and destroyed.
2: Oh, yeah, it was a laundromat. It was a laundromat,
0: yeah. and then he found out that it was um,
2: owned by the Don, or partially owned by the one Don. Yeah, or something and along then, those lines. And he's he like, "You by need
0: by th- Harvey Keitel by <laughs> Harvey Keitel." And he's like, "You need to thank him, yeah, because he's you're here because of him."
1: But even, but even then, think about it. It's like right there, that's an example of him following orders without asking any questions. Any questions, yeah. Right? And I think,
0: I think the good thing, too, is that, and I think what helped him survive that life for so long was the fact that he never denied anything. If he fucked up, he said, yep, I did it. This it. is why I did it. I owned it. And you move on from there. I think you uh, off the line, we spoke about you guys thought that the – Whole thing about him with the FBI agents at the end was more about loyal to the end.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think there's
0: more of a sadness to it because I think, yes, there's loyalty, but I think that showed that throughout this entire three and a half hour movie, he was never loyal to the right people in terms of his family. And that's the most heartbreaking thing because I thought the last 30 minutes were so brilliant because it just shows like everyone's gone, he's the only one left and when he tries to repair the relationship with his daughter which he destroyed the moment that Jimmy Hoffa was killed he couldn't do that anymore because his loyalties were always with the wrong people yeah. and i think that's like pretty powerful in terms of what scorsese is trying to say and anna paquin just shows what you were saying before like how brilliant she is because she just walks away from him and i think too she knows right away when she hears that Jimmy yeah, hoffa is gone. Yeah. And you see it in her face when she yeah. looks at she looks
1: at Frank. Even when she asks her dad, she's like, why didn't you call her yet? Yep. Like, she knows right there, yo, you're his best friend, and you haven't called his wife? Hmm. Something's, Something's going up. on. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, I think that sh- really adds to the end of the movie. Yeah. At the end of the movie is depressing to me because it just oh, yeah. it just shows, like...
2: Yeah. You go from like the nice nursing home, excuse me, because at least you go from the nice nursing home like they open up on. And then by the end of it, he's in like that little single room shack. Yeah. Or isn't he in the hospital at the very end, if I'm mistaken?
0: No, he's in the same place, but it's more on the he's alone. There's no one. And I think it's very it's a it's a nice touch to the end of the movie where he's talking to the priest. Yeah. And he was like, it's Merry Christmas. And he's like, oh, I didn't even know it's Christmas. And he's in that room, no decorations, no Christmas tree, just a wide shot of him with the door cracked open and just him sitting there by himself. You couldn't end the movie a better way. I think that was the perfect way to end it.
1: The, uh, the pre-scene actually got me got me thinking too, just in the sense that, like, um, I first off, I do agree with you that like I think the overall theme of the film, at the ending of the film specifically, is about him being alone. Mm-hmm. I do think that's heartbreaking. But I think it's heartbreaking because of just the one thing that's a constant in most of these gangster movies is this warped freaking sense of loyalty, no matter what. yeah, Right. Like it's like you have, Oh, we're family. I have to, I have to be on our, on your side because we're family. Uh, but I, that, I think that's more like annoying to me than anything. <laughs> uh, but I, but I get it. It's, it's part of like, it's part of history, it's right? part of culture, it, it's yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, and I, but I, I, I agree. It's heartbreaking that that's the kind of thing he still holds on to that, that loyalty, has made him a lonely person. Um, But like with the priest though, when he's confessing and he's like giving like ultimately kind of like a version of his last rites, Yep. He still doesn't regret anything. No. Like he still has no, no qualms whatsoever about the, the, the the murders or anything.
0: And I think that's because he has no one. So he has to, and it goes to what you guys said, even in their death, he remains loyal because he has no one else to be loyal to.
1: Yeah, and it, and it, it, I kind of took it to be like he's he's compartmentalized so much of between like what his feelings are and like what his orders were. Yep. So it's like once he has to go through with something for orders like the uh the the murder of uh it wasn't pro the one in the in the diner um Oh, yes, yes. I can't remember his uh, yeah, name, but, but I
0: know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's like
1: he's like even even if he has to do something so like messed up as killing someone in front of their family, family he does it. Like it's like he, he, to meet him. There's no feelings involved in that. That was an order he had to do, and that was it. Yep. Um, the only time feelings got in the way was when he was being told that he had to take Jimmy. out Jimmy. Jimmy.
0: And mm-hmm. I w- um I wanted to add with regarding to Pacino, I mentioned earlier in a non spoiler yeah. that he has this sense of confidence at the beginning of when we first meet him on the phone. Yeah. And then when he has that conversation with Joe Pesci, when Frank's being honored. Yeah. And he's telling him, is like, you're upsetting some people. And then you see Jimmy get really upset. They wouldn't dare. With the arrogance, like you wouldn't dare. But in his head, you see it in his face. He's like, they would dare. And I need to step back, but I don't know how to. (laughs) I think shows like Pacino is at another level here with... Not just his performance, but mannerism wise, it's like yo, you're saying something, but your face says something yes. else. Yes, it
1: was like it was one of those like, um, you said the words, they wouldn't dare, and he's saying it out of anger, but he's laughing yep. at the same time because he's like, holy shoot, they would. Yeah, like I've crossed the line. It's like, oh my god, like I, jeez, he kills it. That scene yeah. right there, like I that love that internal, scene.
2: Oh my god,
0: Ryan, R- R- anything to add on that?
2: Um, No, you guys keep saying everything I'm going to say. (laughs) All right, (laughs) (laughs) right. Go ahead. Give us your spoiler thoughts. No, like, from. Fuck. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, like, first of all, I. Pesci, this was one of. uh, No, not Pesci, Pacino one of my favorite performances. Like, I just got done watching Godfather 2. I might have to watch uh, Scarface after this just to get my full uh, Pacino fill. (laughs) But, yeah, just his performances and De Niro, like, from beginning to end, just his uh, rise, not to power, but, like, to the money and everything. And then just seeing him go from just a lowly truck driver to, you know, one of the, Biggest hitman and just, uh, it just I, I love the movie. I would yeah. be
0: pushing, I would actually, if Joaquin was in there, I would push him, Bobby to win. I'd be yeah. really, I would be yeah. hoping he would win. Because it's one of those career Oscars, like, and it's not a bad no, Oscar not a bad to win. It's not a bad performance I hope either. Pacino wins for this reason. And I think he has a very, very good shot. Um, this is me, the Oscar historian comes in. He didn't win for Godfather. He didn't win for Godfather 2, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. He won for Sensible Woman, and he's good in Sensible Woman. I have no problem with that win. But I always feel like he was given – it's what the Oscar, the Academy does, yeah. the career award.
1: This reminds me of like that whole Leo DiCaprio departed versus Reverend. Yeah. Like, I feel like one performance is better, but he didn't get it for that technically. So, Or Wolf of Wall Street.
0: I think they didn't get – well, they didn't get it for Pacino for other reasons, which I'll get into in a little bit. But um, I think this may be – A performance that if he gets it for we're gonna be like okay we're good Mm -hmm. like we actually gave it for a performance that is not just very good but really great so hopefully he does win but we'll see what happens in the next few months no
2: David it was a nice little touch What? go ahead was how with some of them they just told you how they died like I really appreciate it <laughs> yes okay so I actually I actually
0: I don't know who it, I don't know I got into it with someone about this and I can't remember where it was I think it was on on Thursday or Friday and they didn't understand why they did that and I think I personally think while it was funny, I think it wanted to show the audience how alone Frank really is at the end because not yeah. only is the closest ones around him dead, Everyone else is dead too, and we're gonna tell
1: you exactly how everyone else yeah, died. I agree. I think like
0: um, it's and the funny... one
2: guy was like well liked by all, natural causes.. <laughs> that was my favorite.
1: Um, I think ultimately what it does is I think Scorsese does this immaculately. He lets you in on what that world feels like, mm-hmm. right? Like there's like there's like certain like films things that he does or filming te- techniques he does. Like when like when at the end of the movie when they're driving to and from the house. Right. He pans out. So you see like the car driving out, making the right turn. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like you're part of that world. Uh, to me, it felt like we're seeing all those people die to let you know just how expendable every single individual is in that world. Mm-hmm. Like at any given moment, you could be top of the line or top of the world. At one moment you're getting shot in the head the next. two days from now. Yep. And you know who didn't get shot in the head?
0: Frank, Frank. <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> true. <laughs> Um, you were gonna ask me something?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm off the line. You were talking about performances, and like to me, Ryan, I I think Pesci stole it for me. Uh, I think. Okay. He, but you mentioned Pacino would be the most likely to get nominated for something out of this.
0: I think they're both getting in, but uh, Pesci's not campaigning.
1: Got it. So I don't. That, that, that would be like the, is that like the main reason yeah, that you would okay yeah, yeah. all right because I was a little. Is confused this the last time we? It. It. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, 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 no. Ultimately, yeah. I'm like. I'm I like... I I think it's tough
0: because you never know what they're thinking. But I think the Academy likes not giving the Oscar to showier performances, and that's what Pacino does. And I think it's just been so long since Pacino because not for nothing, Pesci has his Oscar for the right right movie. He yeah. won for Goodfellas, and he should have won for Goodfellas. Like, no questions asked. I think he's
1: better in this than in Goodfellas. Absolutely. So it's funny. I to be Ryan, honest I, with I, you. Ryan, Ryan calls it out earlier than, earlier today. Um, I Same as him, I'm a sucker when it comes to an actor doing something atypical for them. So if we talk about... Um, so, like, do
0: you love The Rock in Jumanji? <laughs> you
1: know, I've never seen it, so <laughs> I just, but um, I, love, um, I love Steve Carell and Dan in Real Life.
0: Oh you should see uh, Steve Kerr on Foxcatcher
1: Foxcatcher as well mm-hmm. Anytime that someone even Especially a comedic actor When they go like just completely anti-role And they just do something different I love it Pesci wasn't Pesci here And it made <clears> me <throat> recognize how good of an actor Pesci is Oh yeah Now Pacino's performance was amazing as well But Pacino had so many parts in this role That reminded me of other roles So I guess for some yeah. reason I just It didn't stand like it's to me voice. like saying This is different Yeah um, De Niro differently. <clears throat> de Niro, I think, played a role that was very, very different. I'm like, I, I bought into him. I, 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 I missed out where De Niro stopped being De Niro and he started being Frank.
0: I don't know. And to, oh, I, I thought you were talking about de, when De Niro stopped being good. Like, oh, stopped no, no, being no, no, De Niro.
1: No, no, no. no, no. I think in, in this film, I lost myself in his performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same thing I, yeah. with Pesci. I didn't lose myself in Pacino, I think because of the voice. But when you mentioned the Pacino thing being the only one that might get in as a a supporting actor, I was confused. Well, no, they're all
0: getting in. I think they're all getting nominated. I just think Pacino is the only shot to win. Interesting. Yeah, I think with uh, Brad Pitt not campaigning, I think that pushes Pacino over the top. And Pacino looks like he's campaigning, so that's that's where I think we go there. Um, Any last spoiler thoughts before we move on?
2: Is this the last we see Pesci, you think?
0: Yes. No, yeah. This is This Do you is think? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, he came out of retirement for this. and
1: So Scorsese went on Jimmy Kimmel a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And during the interview with Kimmel, Scorsese like, was asked about, like, oh, you got Pesci out of retirement. And he joked. And he's like, yeah, well, if you ask Pesci now, he's saying that he was never retired.
3: Mm, so, interesting. So like,
1: I, I, I would be willing to say that if the role is good enough or yeah. something that he likes, I think Pesci will be back.
0: I I can say this with more confidence than my last statement. If Pesci comes back, it'll only be with Marty.
1: Okay, okay, That's I can
0: spare. say that. That's, That's where I I mean, I that, you can't be
1: wrong at that. Do it. I
0: need this is the next one, Marty. Let's make this happen. I need Pacino. I need De Niro. I need Pesci, and I need his other muse, Leo.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Because you can, have his original muse. Can with, Liotta, Can Leota be in that one? <laughs> What? Can, Ray, can Ray Liotta be no, in that one? No, because Leon is not in use <laughs> to, to, to Scorsese, that would be an incredible film. I don't know what the hell it would be.
0: It just sounds really awesome. Ugh. You could have them all at a bar talk for three can hours, and Frank I think I'd probably be interested can be Frank Sinatra, just a Sinatra. So movie. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because we we before we finish off, Irishman, get it on, watch it on Netflix. It is absolutely incredible. My number two film of the year, and one of my favorite films of the decade, and hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Now. um, in terms of the Frank Sinatra, I don't know who it was. I think it was uh shout out to Kev. We we're talking about like would Marty make a Sinatra movie with Leo playing Frank? They tried to do that, and oh, really, yeah, Marty wanted to make a Sinatra movie, but the the family wouldn't sign off his estate wouldn't sign off
2: fucking Nancy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. That 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 Marty directing that Leo as Francis. I don't know that mo- that has money. Scream. Just an ways. entire
2: Rat Pack movie would be phenomenal. I totally agree with age. you.
0: I totally uh, agree with you. I don't understand. Do you, all
2: right. So besides Leo as Frank, who else do you cast as who?
0: Michael B. Jordan.
2: Okay. <laughs> 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 <I'm doing it. laughs>
0: Wait. All right. Who am I casting? Go for it. Give me everybody.
2: Uh, Sammy Davis Jr.
0: Michael B. Jordan.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, that actually works out way better than I thought it was yeah, that's be. that's why he said it right away. Jeez. Uh,
0: Dean Martin. Oh, um, that's a good one.
1: Right. have to go older. You have to go older is, on here, right? Is Milo Ventimiglia going to be cast in this? He's too young. Is he?
0: Yeah. J- j- oh, man, that's a good one. We're going to give you our casting on the next episode because I'm going to think about this. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, I liked like, it. That's, I really a, liked that's a good this. one. All right, so let's... Bring it back to 1975,
1: forty-five years to the day. I <laughs> really wish we were good at doing like the like the sound, the song for it, like <laughs> the theme, like. Don't even. We'll do add it. it. We'll add it later. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> 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 so
0: we're gonna get into all the details of the mo- of the movie, the production, the awards it's won casting news and i'm gonna end it with a couple of uh, 15 fun facts about the movie and our favorite performances and i have a very very strong take about a specific performance in this movie so for anyone that lives under the rock the godfather was released in 1972 and it is to me and i apologize the movie was released in 1974 not 1975 so that's how we're at 45 years so godfather godfather one one best picture, one best actor. Pacino was nominated for supporting actor, but he refused to go to the Oscars. Huh. More on that later. Got it. Um, so production of the film, following the success of the first film, Paramount Pictures began developing a follow-up to the film with much of the same cast and crew returning. Coppola, who was given more control of the film, had wanted to make both the sequel and a prequel to the film to tell the story of the rise of Vito and the fall of Michael. I... I think Godfather 1 and 2, especially Part 2, are the two best movies of all time. I don't... It's so impossible to think of a movie that blends a sequel and a prequel so perfectly. I think you you get so much out of every performance and everything from Vito's story that coincides with everything Michael's doing wrong in his story. How Michael earned his respect out of fear while Vito...
2: Earned his respect out of love, out of, out of love respect, and yeah. loyalty. Yeah. You see
0: the difference between the two. And so, like I mentioned before, Coppola's idea was to for the sequel to juxtapose the ascension of the family under Vito Corleone and the decline of the family under son Michael. He said he always wanted to write a screenplay that told the story of a father and son at the same age. They were both in their 30s, and I would integrate two stories. In order to merely make the godfather, I... In order, in order not to merely make The Godfather all over again, um, he gave Godfather 2 the double structure this, by extending the story in both past and the present. The film's original budget was six million dollars, but it but costs increased it to over eleven million. Oh shoot! The Godfather 2 did not surpass the original film commercially, but in the uh, but in the United States and Canada, it grossed forty seven point five million dollars it still, despite the fact that it, did it, it, it um, didn't make as much as the original, it still was the highest grossing film of Paramount in 1974 with mm-hmm. the $47.5 million. Now, the filming was done between October 1st and 1973 and, and June 19, 1974. Fun fact, you guys saw the movie this week, right? Yeah. Yes. Where is when they shot in Cuba? Have any idea where they shot that in? Florida, Florida, Dominican Republic. Yo, really? Yeah. Oh, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. Even as a kid, when I first saw the Godfather Part 2, I was like, nah, man,
1: you're not going to tell me that's Cuba. <laughs> that is not Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> that is not Cuba. Wait a second. I know what Cuba looks like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so in terms of there's not really what I like about Godfather 2 so much in terms of the production, you know, a movie's going to be good or that's all the production notes I have. No real craziness. There wasn't anything that was stalling production or anything like that. It was just pretty, you know, the usual production issues that come along. But outside of that, pretty smooth issues. Now, what is... I'll start off with Leo.
1: Actually, you know what? Let's go with Ryan this time. Yeah, right. I feel feel like that... Because the way we keep stealing some of his stuff... Yeah, I I don't want to to steal it from Ryan Ryan this time. Ryan first, I'll go clean up. Right.
0: Let me know what is the scene that you think has aged the best... Or your favorite scene in the movie?
2: Oh, um A scene that aged the best.
0: I have a very morbid one, so don't worry. Whatever you say, <laughs> I, I have a very morbid scene that I think is aged wonderfully.
2: <laughs> um actually I gotta say just because I like I don't know the feel that I got watching the scene is when De Niro sees um the don for the first time like not Fanucci. in the audience but yeah.
0: in the age. like because he has
2: that look like he wants to do something he wants to kind of take him on then and there and then he does and he lets it go then the movie progresses and he the don kind of screws him over I again love- and he lets it go and then he fucking ends up killing the don so i don't know like-
0: i love that scene the cinematography there of him uh where Vito's walking on the rooftop
3: Mm. Yeah,
0: And it's following him when he's yes. going to kill Fanucci. When he's like, stalking him. Yep. Oh, I thought dude, it was brilliant. I, I have that in my notes. I love that scene. Fun fact. The score, the Nino Rota score that's used in that scene was also used in a rap song from 2006 with, with Nas and Jay-Z. Oh. Yes. Nice. Come on. <laughs> um, I forgot. It's from, on the album Hip Hop is Dead. Black oh. Republican. Black Republican. That's what it's called. Oh, okay. So my favorite scene is actually, when I said morbid. It, I think, it's probably one of the top five scenes of all time in film, <laughs> because of the power and the passion in it. The scene in the hotel room, where Kay tells Michael that she had an oh abortion. Oh my gosh! Yes. His face. You, we talked about mannerisms and yeah, like performances, and yeah, yeah. in, in The Irishman, you can see the build. Fun fact: They were dating at the time. Diane Keaton and Al Pacino were dating at oh, that that's time. Funny. So. You see that passion and that anger as she, as the words keep coming out of her mouth like, it was an abortion, baby. It was a Michael, it was a son, and I had it killed. You see that anger. And when he hits her, don't approve domestic violence. But no, no, that no. scene was so powerful. I think it's the best scene in the movie. And I think it's a scene that stands out the most to. It hasn't aged poorly because that scene still creates such a. I get chills so it's, watching
1: that scene. It's ironic. Yeah. I have that as my age the worst scene. Oh, because of the domestic violence? Because domestic <laughs> violence. Because <I'm laughs> like, you could not air that now. But it was so true, though. Like the passion and the raw emotion that he has in mm. that. It's, it's unbridled. It is incredible. Yeah. Like, yep. And it's like full body slap. Yeah. Like, I, I'm very sure he hit her. Yo, he did. He, he must have. Or that's really good sound mixing. <laughs> but also, you know what? Like, it's funny that you mentioned that they were dating because I guess like, that, that, would, be, that would be- Probably that helped. Probably Exactly. They probably like, could you, work on that. You could trust someone to get away with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite scene actually is, um, is the one where, where Michael is actually having a conversation with Tom about giving him over the, the family. Yeah, like you're going to be the doctor. Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's also doing a bit of like relationship cleanup there. He's like, hey, listen. the part He's, one. Yeah, from the part one, exactly. He's like, listen, I couldn't really tell you everything, right? I, I trust you, but like, I, there were things I couldn't trust you with because you need to be able to do this. Now I'm letting you know you're the only person I can trust. Not only that, I'm trusting you with my wife and my, and my kids. Kid. Like, And I thought that was just like the way that they're just like... That conversation went from Tom thinking, yo, this dude doesn't even care about me. Like, he just... I. I I'm like a a bastard son to his father, to the point where he's like, "Wow, he actually respects me to the point where he's like, maybe sees me as an equal." And when you and I love how you get, you don't get a payoff in a way, but you get a,
0: a retraction towards the end when he's like, "I want you to." uh," He's like, "Why don't you go just move to Vegas with your wife and your mistress?" It's like, and then Tom's like, "Why do you hurt me so much?" Yes, why do you say these things to me? So it's like he gives him he has all this trust in him, but he's so lost by the end of the movie that he just doesn't care about hurting anybody emotionally and physically.
1: Um, there was a second scene that I thought was like really close to picking out as my favorite because it just was like a very full scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when um, when Michael discovers the miscarriage. Right. Oh, he's dealing yes. it with anger. Yeah. And the scene literally goes hand in hand. With Vito watching Fredo, Fredo. with pneumonia, yep. and he's dealing it with just anguish and pain, like it was just kind of like showed the, the juxtaposition between both those characters and both like both the situations. Well, and it goes with
0: what I was saying, like every th- every yes. event in the
1: in the prequel
0: part of the movie has a consequence to what happens in the sequel part of the movie, and that scene also has something to do, with, also deals with Tom and how he's starting to lose like yeah. patience for him and he's like can't you give me a straight answer anymore yeah was it a boy yep so i i love that too so i'll kick off another
2: scene oh, go, okay. ahead, go ahead go ahead right i definitely want to add is uh when vito carves up the old don back in the oh, old country. yes like when he yes. just slices him and gets that what gotta be at that point let's 20 be 20 something 30 something year revenge
1: the visuals of that scene though he slices him up like uh, butter yeah like <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's bones where he sliced and you couldn't see there any is. kind of Vito like. Vito is the strongest skinny man <laughs> of all time.
0: Um, I wanted to chime in. I don't think we mentioned I seen that age of the worst to me. I personally feel this is as close to a perfect, perfect film as it gets. Like I find little in the movie that is set as exposition and to explain anything. I feel like every frame of the three hour and 25 minute time, like is a necessary plot device. To the central arc of the film and it pushes everything forward, so yeah. I don't really feel like anything has really yeah. aged poorly for me now. Performance um, Al Pacino, I mean, I'm gonna like knock both of you like to no end if you don't think Al Pacino is the best in this movie.
1: Nah, bro, I go, de, right. I go, De Niro, no way. I think De Niro's performance, so maybe here's the this case, is though, this like you're the, right, you're totally right. I, I do believe though, and you have to keep it in perspective. The reason you think Pacino is because you also remember Pacino from part one. So mm-hmm. you're comparing it to part one, well, and I c- his character arc is both those movies together, and then you add three. Uh, but, uh, but in a vacuum, all we have on De Niro is that movie alone. Not necessarily, because you have Vito in yeah, but part the, one. But you're seeing the story of a little boy making it to the to the United States with no no, no knowledge of that language. Getting raised in that, like with no one else, no family, so you see like so in my mind, I thought his performance was so like it 's just part two, but to get michael 's whole like transformation and just rise and fall you're adding part one to that too
0: so i don't when I view this movie, to be honest with you, full disclosure i this is my favorite performance of all time it's amazing this is. Quite possibly, I think, the best performers of any actor of any film of all time. I think everything that he does, and the reason I don't um, look at part one in any, you know, in comparison to the overall performance yeah. here is because you see the rise in him becoming who he becomes. at the By the end of part one, he's already who he is in part two. When the, when the, so it, when the doors close, When the doors close, he yeah. is who he is in part two. I think there's so much, there's, there's so many layers to his performance in terms of, him trying to balance being the godfather, him trying to balance being a father, a husband, a brother. <laughs> and he does that so beautifully. And you see his torment throughout the entire film and his unsureness with what choices he has to make, especially with the decision he makes at the end of the movie, which haunts him into part three, actually. Yeah. Um, I have some rankings that I'm going to get into later, but I am not the only one that sees Pacino's as one of the best of all time. Word
1: to God. If you drop rotten tomatoes, no, no, this
0: actually, this actually is not an RT. These are all like, all like rankings. that have ranked yeah, yeah, Pacino's performance. Everyone's in the top 10 of all time. Some of them have a number three, number two, number four. Yeah. I have, I, it's my favorite, number but one. I do want to say about Bobby, all his incredible performances. This is my favorite Robert De Niro performance. It is. He is incredible. That just shows how great this movie is. You have two of the greatest performances of all time. At their top of their game. At their top of their game, yeah. And they never share a scene with each other.
1: So it's funny you mentioned that because during the conversation that um, we referenced for Irishman, like Scorsese was talking about working with them together and stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, they've definitely worked together before, right? Like, they have a really cool dynamic about them because they're two icons. And when you put two icons next to each other, you're like, you guys, I wonder if you guys are best friends. I wonder if you guys hate each other because you're rivals. (laughs) Um, But, like, I knew that they worked together in the past. And I'm like, after rewatching Godfather 2, I'm like... You guys aren't even on set at the same time, though. The first scene they ever shot together
0: was the scene in Heat when they had at the diner. Holy shoot. That was the first time they've ever had a scene together. And that's like two like behemoths of film. The two best actors of the 80s and 90s. That's I nuts. No, yeah, that's, that's 70s, 80s, and 90s for so cool. Pacino De Niro. So cool, yeah. Eh? Pretty inc- incredible. Um, Ry, do you have a figure performance in the movie?
2: Pacino, uh, Pat, uh, Pacino sorry. Good, good. Well done, Ryan. Well done. right, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. Ryan, I apologize. Ryan's like, I'm not going against David. I'm not going against David. I'm not going against David. <laughs> no, I agree. I told- it's 1A, one 1B one between the two of them, but yeah. no, Pacino, ah, uh, this, um, yeah, his rise and fall I look throughout it like the this, entire like no, movie, especially since they end with him night, right before like before he wanted anything to do with it, before he went to the war. I love that scene yes. as well, oh, like at yeah. the dinner table. I have some tidbits about that. I love so, that scene.
0: in- Deciding, I mean, Pacino's performance is my all-time fave, but like, if we're looking at best, Pacino's standout scene in that hotel, I think, is better than De Niro's standout scene in his role. Okay. That's why, I mean, outside of me loving it for many reasons, okay. that's kind of where I differentiate. Both yeah. incredible. Like, it's it's apples and oranges, I think. They're yeah. both amazing. I just happened to no love it, so, it's, so
1: it's really it's really tough, right, because like in a sense like at, if I had watched part two and never watched part one, like that would be the only way to really gauge my my views on that performance in a vacuum, but that's not the way I saw it. I saw part one you saw it in an order, yeah, yeah, so like it's it's together, this is like un, undisputed it's it's Pacino's like holy grail. But, yeah, but I just don't know that in this part two by itself. That at least for me, I think that I gravitate more towards De Niro.
0: De Niro. I um I don't think anyone had a better run of movies and Pacino and De Niro in the 70s and 80s. I'm just like thinking of like everything Isn't that, that they crazy did together. Like, that's I, don't awesome, think, right? I don't think I don't think that run has been really matched in terms of like just Pacino alone. You had Godfather 1, Godfather 2, you had Dog Day Afternoon, you had <laughs> Serpico. You had oh my god. Serpico, dog day afternoon, Godfather one, Godfather two, he had cruising, he had Scarface, god. he had and then he went into Carlito's way, he had Sense of a woman, he had Dick Tracy, he had <laughs> Heat, he had the insider. It was just it was it just was just nonstop. Like banger after banger and then De Niro with Taxi Driver. Mean Streets, King of Comedy, Raging Bull. It just went on and on and on. Godfather 2. So moving on to reception and awards. Uh, The Godfather is now widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. Many critics compare it favorably with the original, although it is rarely ranked higher over Godfather 1, I think godfather 2 is a better movie than godfather i totally 1. agree i 100 yeah. percent agree
1: i think it's more legacy that you can't put one yeah. on top of two i think but i think two is that's what like better.
0: i think the godfather is the greatest movie of all time but if i say that i think godfather 2 is probably i think it's the best movie of all time i think they both are i think it's godfather <laughs> 1 godfather 2 and then you have like citizen kane and all those other yeah. other films i I understand people can gravitate, especially a younger generation that will look at the Godfather as boring, but it's the farthest thing from it. And well, go ahead, Brian.
2: Um, Funny they say that because uh, for our last for the Godfather episode, I broke Casey's cherry on Godfather. She loved it. And for this, I broke her cherry on Godfather, too. And she like she absolutely adored it. And she said and she did enjoy two over one
1: good Shh. <laughs> oh actually <laughs> um before we get into like other uh, just yeah. something i wanted to call out because we mentioned it during irishman and i think it's really funny as far as w- talking about godfather 2 the intermission so <laughs> I, I i forgot that was in there <laughs> yeah so uh, as i'm watching intermission, i'm like because godfather 2's runtime was about two and a half
0: no godfather 2 325
1: 325 really yeah oh huh it's funny because like i was watching i remember i watched irishman then i watched godfather 2 and i'm like huh one of them has an intermission the other one doesn't um but i felt like irishman would need an intermission more than godfather 2 would need it
0: well the reason that godfather 2 had an intermission was because of the theater okay so they never removed it like when i was watching the blu-ray i was like wait a minute why is this not what? <laughs> I forgot that they didn't remove the the intermission from it. It was so,
1: right after the uh, the tracking scene on the rooftop. Yes. Right after that. It's right after he killed Don Fanucci. Yeah.
0: So when we saw it uh, last year at the Tribeca Film Festival, Jenny and I went to the Radio, Radio City Music Hall, and they played Godfather 1 and Godfather 2 back to back. And after the movie, Pacino, De Niro, uh, Robert Duvall, Talia Shire, Jeez. Francis Ford Coppola, all interviewed. And me and Jenny were like four rows away. <sighs> and, like. I couldn't stop staring at Al Pacino. I was just like, oh wow. This is the closest I'll ever get. Even though Jenny like had hookups with Al Pacino way back in her older job days and she did nothing to get me to meet him. Not one thing. And you married her? And, you married and her I married despite her despite that. despite that. That's love. I would get her to meet Leo if I could. That's that that's,
1: <laughs> that, that's, that, that, that's that rom-com love right there. No, no, no. No,
0: no. That's that no, 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 no.
3: Not rom-com love there.
1: Uh,
0: going back to some of the reception that the movie got, uh, in 2002, there was an essay in when the film was selected for the National Film Registry that although The Godfather and The Godfather 2 depict an American family's moral defe- defeat as a mammoth pioneering, it is still a mammoth pioneering work of art and it remains a national creative triumph. Uh, the Godfather 2 is also featured on Science Sounds Directors List of the 10 greatest films of all time in 1992 and 2002. It ranked number seven on Entertainment Weekly's list of the 100 greatest movies of all time and number one on TV Guide 1998 list of the 50 greatest movies of all time on TV and video. On Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> it is... <dead. laughs> we literally almost <laughs> went a whole episode without freaking going to them. It holds a 97% approval rating. Also, drawing strong performances by Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Francis Ford Coppola continuation of Mariposa's mafia saga is a new standard for sequels and have yet to be matched or broken. Oh yeah. And this is where I was going to say about Pacino. Many believe Pacino's performance in Godfather two is his finest acting work. And the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences was criticized for awarding the Academy award uh, for best actor that year to art Carney for his role in Harry and Tonto. That is the worst loss in the history of the Oscars. And the reason I feel that Pacino lost, and I actually have it in my notes here, I think is because the the Academy, I feel like the Academy was getting back at Pacino for not appearing at the Oscars when he was nominated for supporting in uh, Godfather 1. So for Godfather 2, because the movie, uh, I'll get into the awards now, it pretty much swept everything that it was nominated for. So it sucks. But despite that, in the 2006 a premiere, Premier issued its list of the 100 greatest performances of all time, putting Pacino's at number 20. Later in 2009, uh, Total Film issued the 150 greatest performance, and Pacino's performance was moved up to fourth place. Question for you. Uh,
1: um, for best actor, is the um, is the preferential ballot no, the same it's thing? It's all picture. Oh.
0: Yeah. Isn't it? I don't know. I don't get why you still do it with preferential ballot. I I think at this point if you're going to do preferential ballot for one, just do it for everything. So that's
1: what I, that's why so I asked the question because I'm like if uh, how like I could see you saying like the academy was getting back at him. They could. But in a sense I'm like that means like a bunch of people voted against him specifically to get back at him. But it shocked me. But I'm like so like for Well, for, the for preferential actor, ballot preferential ballot wasn't around in the 70s. Uh
0: Preferential ballot didn't start to 2000. Uh, the Dark Knight rule started in two thousand nine, so the, yeah, so around two thousand ten, eleven is when preferential ballots started. So
1: for Best Actor, it's like it's just straight voting, straight up, just yeah, straight voting. First place vote, second place votes kind yeah. of thing, nice. and then
0: whoever wins wins on that.
1: Do you know why he didn't go to the Best Supporting? Uh, I don't remember.
0: I'd have to look that up, but I don't. I I know he wasn't there. I mean, Brando, won actor for for Godfather, he wasn't even there to accept it. so- <laughs> Damn. It's ch- crazy. So the film was the first sequel to win the, to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, and it wasn't um, accomplished again until 2003, and it hasn't done been done since. And do you guys want to guess what movie won Best Picture in 2003 and is the only sequel outside of Godfather 2 to win Best Picture?
1: Okay, hold on. Sequel to win Best Picture. Quirks 2. Right. You, said, you said 2003?
0: 2003. <laughs> Dark Knight? <coughs> no, Dark Knight wasn't no. even nominated. No, geek know. Culture. What? Geek Culture. Oh, Geek Culture. Okay. Geek Culture, a movie in Geek oh, Culture. Oh, wait. Come on, guys. It's not. You're disappointing me right it's now. It's Marvel, right? No, Marvel's never won a Best Picture.
1: No, not, uh, Geek Culture. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, two, oh, yeah, two, well, two, that's two, why I didn't know. Two Towers right. is definitely nope.
0: totally better. <laughs> uh, Return of the King. That one? Oh, yeah. That's, they like, were, all three were nominated, I hate though. the Academy now. No, Return of the King <laughs> is the best yeah. one. Return of the King is the best one. It's um, not the best one. Yeah, but the, it's
2: finally over.
0: Ryan,
3: <laughs> I am going
2: to <laughs> mute you
0: from this podcast. You're making me very angry with these comments about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, so, but the The Godfather Part One and Godfather Part Two are the only films to for its original and its sequel to win Best Picture. It'll never happen again.
1: I don't know about never. I don't think it'll ever happen again. Never ever happening as long as I'm alive it's never gonna happen again so look the only reason I think like the likelihood of it happening is much higher now than ever before because there's more nominees because there's way more sequels to things that have happened I'm not talking about the sequel I'm talking about for the first one and the second one to
0: win Best Picture it's the only done in one so it's only been The Godfather and Godfather 2 I don't think that'll ever happen again
1: I mean we'd have to like ugh uh." yeah
0: that's a that's Mm. a good thing I would like to see one day if someone could do what The Godfather did but yeah, so in terms of the Oscars, I'm going to bring up what it won. So it won Picture. It won Director. did not win Actor. It did win Supporting Actor for Robert De Niro. Nice. It was nominated for Supporting Actress, but it done, didn't win Talia Shire. It won Adapted Screenplay. It won Art Direction. It won Best Original Score. <sighs> so the funny thing is at BAFTA that year, which coincides with me, unfortunately, Really, not understanding how he Pacino didn't win. Pacino won actor at BAFTA but didn't win the Oscar. Interesting, yeah. it, it, it's a whole thing there, man. It just yeah. sucks. But, um, in terms of the film recognitions from AFI, it's number 32 on the AFI's 100 Years, 100 Villains 2003. Michael Coleman is ranked the number 11th villain of all time. Now, before we get into I have some fun facts. Let's talk about Fredo because I didn't want to talk about Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to save it Fredo for its own category. All right. So I like Fredo a lot. I have n- that, that. I understand why he d- I can't believe I'm doing this for you, you. guys will shit on me for this. It's all good. It's all good. I understand why he did what he did. Not. G- I don't think he knew he didn't. He's he's clueless. Yes, he's absolutely yeah. clueless. I don't think he knew what he was doing in terms of like – he probably didn't think that Hyman Roth and Johnny Ola were going to try to kill Michael with this whole family there. I didn't think he knew. It was stupid, but Michael Michael set it up in the first one in a way when he's like, you're my brother and I love you, but don't take sides against the family ever again. And he did. But was he taking sides against the family? I think he was just trying to
1: help negotiations Uh, with the family. So you're, I it's, would I would agree with you a hundred percent. It's I know if, I'm I'm on an island my if, own here. If not for the scene where he tells him he's never met Ola <sighs> before, and ever. then he just because if he the was beads. innocent, he didn't he wouldn't have lied about that. Yeah, okay. And then when he gives that information out during like that weird little when they were at that dance, yeah, that yeah, sex yeah, yeah. club thing, that sex club, yeah. Like and he's like at that point he's just being honest. Like when Michael finds out, he's like, bro, it's not that you did it is that you had the audacity to lie to me about you doing it. So if you lie to me, that means you're choosing someone other than the family. So I think that's the point that changes it. So I, although Fredo's I think was innocent in the fact that he's not going to tell him, Hey, this is how you're going to kill my brother. When he lies to Michael about it, mm-hmm. he, it's pretty much like he's, he's, he's taking ownership. Yeah. Before we keep
0: going, like that actually has leads to one of the most memorable quotes of in history. When he kisses Fredo, and he's oh, like, hey, yeah. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. And it shows how good Pacino was there because you see it in his face and the way how strong he's holding Fredo. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like I'm completely heartbroken by what yeah. you did. Now, I got to ask both of you guys. Would you have killed him?
1: Fredo? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right, you did not even hesitate. <laughs> You're breaking my heart here, man. Uh, but you know what, dude? Dead ass though. It comes down to like...
2: married man. You almost killed my wife. I'm gone. There's a good chance I'm taking you out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially
1: in that world, dude. It's like you know... I've
0: always been. I've always been very, very sad when Fredo dies because he always meant well, and but he lied. He. I know he shouldn't have lied. Yeah. <laughs> he always meant well, and I saw. You know. I think the scene that most, the most heartbreaking scene in that movie is when he finally forgives him oh, and like when he's he, hugging yeah. him and the score there is brilliant, but he's looking mm-hmm. at Al Neri like it's time. Like, you know what to do now. And I'm like, and no words need to be said, you know what has to be done. So I guess I'm the only one that defends Fredo here.
1: Like I said, I would I would have gone your side if he hadn't lied to Michael. Once he lied to Michael, he was admitting that he was doing it for the wrong reasons, and he knew for a fact that what he was doing was against the family. So, moral of the story, it'd be a terrible Don.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd kill everyone else if it wasn't my brother.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, your brother kills Je- almost, either almost kills Jenny or kills Jenny. Let's say almost kills Jenny I, for now.
0: Here's the thing, like this is what I'm. I guess. If he tries to if he purposely tried to kill Jenny, I would fucking murder the guy. Of course. <laughs> but I don't think like I said, I don't think he gave up the information or led them in but with he, the intention that they that he thought they were going to try to kill him. But if he
1: felt he bad. he knew there was a good chance. Yeah, if he, well, see, I I I won't go that far. I say the minute I found out, hey, I just talked to Ola and Ola's infor- like the information I gave him was the reason you were almost killed, I got to go tell you, listen man, this is what's going on behind the scenes. I got to get this off my chest. Instead, he keeps it to himself and then lies to you about it. That's, I'm like, that's just, you're not being loyal. Only I t- can't trust you. The
0: only time I was really angry at Fredo is when... um the way he gave it up,
1: I'm like, my God, dude. Oh, when dude. The, at the club, he the, just like. The club, that was one. And another reason, another another scene I was like, yo, Fredo, come on, bro, was when his wife was acting up at the wedding. Oh, at the wedding. And like, it, he's like, either you take care of her or, or I'll have someone else do it. do it. And he's like, yeah, you go take care of her. I'm like, that's your wife, man. I, I don't think that's his
0: wife by choice. Fair, Seems but either like a, way,
1: that's so. Like, as a as a as a grown adult, you should be able to like talk to your wife yourself. Oh yeah, you should have talked to your wife instead of you sending yeah. your brother's minions after her. Well,
0: yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> um, well, when women get drunk
2: enough, sometimes it's hard to control. Them. <laughs> 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 that is true. When when your wives do
0: get drunk enough, it's very hard to control them. I totally agree, Ryan.
2: <laughs>
1: oh man,
0: sometimes they just get lost and lose purses.
1: <laughs> as the only single male on this episode.
3: <laughs>
1: sometimes i gotta climb fences for them uh as the only single male <laughs> on the podcast today i am i am neither and i'm not, I'm not agreeing with you two at all <laughs>
0: all right so before we get into the fun facts one last thing the end of the movie we get that final shot it's Vito's birthday and we get everyone that came back we got yes james khan coming back Sonny back from the grave so I really like the aspect of Vito not being there. Marlon Brando was asked to come back, but Marlon Brando is Marlon Brando. That's fair. And <laughs> he no-showed, he didn't show up, and they ended up trying to improvise it. And I think that was a great way to improvising that of him. Because he wasn't there, but you st- I still felt Vito there. Yeah. So when I felt like when everyone left and they said surprise, I'm like, Wow, he—that's I see like like guy with the with the with the chin, I mean with the cheeks. I'm yeah,
1: like you see Marlon Brando just offset, wh- Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: what do you guys think? That's I like that. I thought that scene was really strong because it showed maybe
1: the last time that everyone was
0: happy together.
1: Yeah, I think that's yeah. like, literally that's exactly. I think what um, what resonated with me on that scene was like you saw. Michael at the height of his idealism. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when he was about to go against the family, which was unheard of at that point. Like, he was so romanticized about this idea of becoming a war the hero. U- yeah, the United yeah. States, more so than his family. Um, and then when we see pretty much Godfather 1 kick off, he's coming back from Coming all back that. from the war, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love that scene. I think, I, honestly, just seeing James Conn again is pretty cool too, though.
0: <laughs> he wanted. The same amount of money that he got paid for the entire movie for that scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I, was,
1: I really, I, I, dude, I love, dude, I really love like the, the line from his kids. So like,
3: he's think, like, daddy, mommy, daddy, he's fighting, fighting again. <laughs> again. I'm like, God
1: damn, Sonny.
0: <laughs> I, I love that you found that funny, Ryan The, <laughs> the fact that he got for the same amount of money. Oh, man. What do you, what do you think, Ryan, that scene?
2: Uh, No, I absolutely loved it just to sit in there and like the simple fact that he's like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. And the entire time we just got done watching everything he does with the family. Yeah. So it just nice little cherry on top to that movie. And I think
0: I love I kind of love how the editing of this movie, how you transition from the past to the present, how everyone leaves Michael and he's sitting there by himself at the table. He's by, he's alone. He doesn't have anybody anymore. Yeah. And similar to the Irishman, the movie ends with Michael just sitting in front of, in his chair, in his yard. He just killed his brother and the movie cuts to black.
1: Yeah. This was Michael being Michael, not Michael Corleone. Yeah. I think this is Michael. That
0: was Michael's idealism in 1940 something, but still with that, he did it his way. You know what I mean? He's always going to do stuff his way. And I think it's a pretty heartbreaking ending in terms of where we could have been. And it goes back to part one where he sat down with his father. He's like, I never wanted this for you. Yeah. And then where he ends up being, he kind of destroys the family. Um,
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's pretty deep. Yeah.
0: Quick thought on Fredo's death before we go into facts. Um, The reason, excuse me, the reason he was killed after the mother died was because Mario Puzo requested that in the script. He, Mario Puzo said his mother would have never forgiven Michael for killing her son while she was alive. That's fair. So that's why they waited for Michael, I mean, Michael's mom. mom and Fredo's mom to pass away so he can do what he needs to do to Fredo. That makes sense. So that's why it happens then because of Puzo's request. And so yeah, shows, my, he it makes sense to me in the movie too. Yeah, he cared that much about the story that he's like, "Well, you're not going to mess my story up. This is exactly yeah. how it would be. <laughs> she would not." And it makes sense like Ryan said. You're watching the movie and as the the matriarch of the family, I can see her being like, "No, you, you never have done you know that. It
1: reminds, me? it reminds me of um of Russ in Irishman. Like no matter what you want to do, you got to double check with Russ to make sure that yep. you get the OK. Absolutely. So you got to check with mom. Hey, mom, listen, your son did this. I want to smack him up. Do I get the OK? And I wonder if she ever he ever, if he ever told her. No, but I think, like, she being the matriarch and seeing her husband take care of the family, I think she had an idea. She's like, yeah, like, if he wasn't my son, I would have killed him, too. And you kind of see that
0: because you have that
1: conversation that they have prior to her death about, like, what if you lose your
0: family? Yeah. And she was like, pretty much if you lose your family, you've lost everything, which is Pretty much how the movie ends, which dope. is which is crazy. So, which
2: is pretty much how Pacino's uh go when it comes to being a mob boss, huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's get into our fun faction, and then we can get out of here. Uh, favorite quote? I actually forgot about that. Favorite quote was it? Uh, I know was you, of You broke my heart. You broke my heart, or keep your friends close. Are you? Are your uh, enemies no, closer? No, actually,
1: I'm gonna go with um with Vito, um an offer he can't refuse. Okay, the callback. I the callback like, to it. Yeah, I think it was just like one of those like because again, it's like an origin story. Yep. And it's like uh, that's probably why you like Godfather Two
0: so much because it's an origin story. No, it's so like I, Marvel. I I, I, I have <laughs> realized that the more the
1: more we have conversations, I love like these um expanded universes. Yeah. Like sequels to like callbacks. I'm like. Um, yeah, I think that, that, was, that was my favorite. What
0: point. about
2: you, Ryan? Do you have a favorite
0: code or j- any of the ones I mentioned?
2: Uh, just the ones you mentioned, like right. the famous ones. All right, Pretty awesome. Pretty much nothing stands up. All
0: right, cool. So to end this fun episode, I'm going to go through some fun facts, and I love getting your, your quick takes on these fun facts. So to prepare for the role, of Vito Corleone, Robert De Niro lived in Sicily and learned the Italian dialect. Nice. Nearly all of De Niro's dialogue in the film was in Sicilian. Pretty dope.
2: I, I I want that job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think you guys may know this from the, uh, the previous episode we did on Godfather 1. De Niro was uh, almost cast in the original. So Robert De Niro auditioned for the role of Sonny Corleone in the original Godfather. De Niro's audition tape is like, watching poetry in motion. Various versions of the auditions are on YouTube and worth a watch. The role of Sonny eventually went to James Caan, who made a cameo in the flashback in the final scene of the sequel, which yeah. I have, I'm have. i going to get into in a little bit. I love that scene. But can you imagine a world where... Why didn't he get the role? Do you know? I think something... Oh no, he had another movie coming Another out. movie, right? Yeah, I was yeah, like, I, I had think to it was like another the, movie.
1: like, if you audition, and, like, and if his audition tape is that actually, fantastic...
0: I actually think it was something with Scorsese. Interesting. I'd have to double-check on that. Um... And the Brando De Niro connection. So Marlon Brando and, and Robert De Niro are the only two actors in history to ever win separate Oscars for playing the same character. Brando won Best Actor for Godfather 2, while De Niro won Best Supporting Actor in Godfather uh, I apologize, Godfather 1, Godfather 2. And Leo, you already
1: read my mind.
3: Say
0: yes.
1: It. I was like, wait a second. Say it. So hypothetically. Hypothetically. If Joaquin Phoenix wins the Oscar for, for like the I guess, the persona called joker that would be the second time this happens
0: yeah wow i'm that's why it was one of my facts that's i'm like i was wondering
1: cool
2: but wait wasn't uh ledger supporting or was he main actor ledger was supporting supporting
1: but they would both still win oscars period for the same role
2: true
0: so that's Damn. pretty pretty crazy that's awesome
2: that's
3: awesome
0: so i got a little bit more notes about De Niro's audition so, in its audition tape, De Niro, not even thirty at the time, played the part with a bit of lightness and not the not exactly the way the character came across in the pages of the Mario Puzo's novel. Yeah, which it didn't help either because he broke character at the end of his monologue. So that may have been why he didn't get the role. Huh. So it wasn't anything with Scorsese or another film.
1: Got it. Yeah,
0: interesting. Um. Sequel's getting no love at the Oscar. I mentioned before it wasn't until Lord of the Rings: Return of the King that a sequel won an Oscar for Best Picture. This is interesting. We were mentioning Morris Corsese before. Morris Corsese was very close to becoming director of Godfather Part Two because Coppola, mm. Coppola did not want to direct the sequel because of it. Uh, he had a very dysfunctional relationship with Paramount Pictures. Huh? So, would have very interesting. Very yeah. interesting because we we joke that Scorsese is kind of fighting for third place in the mob genre, even though he dominates it so much, because Godfather and Godfather True are there. But it'd be interesting what kind of uh,
1: at that point in time he wasn't what, Martin Scorsese. I was going to say, what was Scorsese? Yeah. What, what had he done?
0: 1974. I don't think. Yeah, I don't even think he had done Mean Streets or any. That's He, wild. Did, he hadn't done Taxi. He hadn't done anything.
1: Interesting.
0: So it would have been. Would have been
1: interesting. Yeah, it, it for could sure. could have made or broken his career, but most likely would have made it.
0: This is crazy. So in Godfather 1, this is fact number six. In Godfather 1, Al Pacino made $60,000. No, I'm lying, $35,000 for Godfather 1. For Godfather 2, he made $600,000. Jeez. Wow. Yep. Um, part 2 won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, even though only half the script was actually adapted. The story of Michael Corleone was written specifically for the film, while the story of Vidi Corleone came from the Godfather novel written by Mario Puzo in 1969.
1: I was going to ask you about that, too, because I know we keep talking about, like, uh, during our Stephen King episode, we talked about adaptations and how much is actually according to the book. Um, So, yeah, I was wondering, uh, part of me was wondering as far as, like, the part one, part two, how How much of that is the actual Book. book and how much is yeah. original now remember i mentioned earlier that production
0: went smoothly test screenings did not huh. so they were saying that part two didn't Coppola mentioned in a commentary in a documentary that part two didn't test well in previews leading up to the release the issue the issue was always the cutting back and forth between Michael's storyline and the flashback scenes with veto and his editors worked on in the cutting room to make the narrative flow better and we got the final product that we got it nearly never existed. That's fact number nine. Francis Ford Coppola was exhausted by the time he finished The Godfather. In later interviews, he states that he didn't particularly want to make a sequel because the first part ended all the original aspects of the story. His reasoning behind making the sequel then, he thought it would be interesting to make a film about the two stories.
3: Hmm.
0: It was a film titled Transetter. I love this fun fact. It was the first time that Part 2 was using the title of a sequel. Before then, nice. it was always called something wow. else. Yeah. So it would have been Godfather. It would have been called... Terminator Judgment Terminator Day. Terminator Judgment Day. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first time that the original title remained with a Part 2. And it kind of started a trend of sequels using...
1: Which has now gone away. Because I think we've gone back to the old ways yeah. where it's like a, a subtitle is like the sequel's title Yeah. Now.
0: Star Wars is the one that... Surprisingly, still has it in the crawl, but doesn't have it in a title anymore. Oh yeah. So when you watch uh-huh. Rise of, of uh, Rise of Skywalker in a few weeks, you'll see in the crawl it says Episode Nine, episode which nine. is pretty. It's I don't know why you do that, but whatever. Hmm. Um, oh, <laughs> so this next fact talks about Clemenza, who was supposed to be Frank Pantangeli's role. Oh sure. And I love Frank Pantangeli in this movie. I think he's so so underrated. Michael Michael V. Gazzo played Frank Pantangeli, and he was con- <clears throat> he was convinced to replace, um, Clemenza's character in this movie. Yeah, and he was so good. He got an Oscar nomination for it. He was so good, though. He was really good. His end is really sad too. I right? the way he. That conversation with him and Tom Hanging about the Roman Coliseum and how the Corleones were the Romans once. I thought that was really powerful and how it ends there. And then last one, number 15, Don Vito's name. If you guys notice, a lot of people when Solo came out last year, they were talking about, oh, he gets his name in a stupid way. Vito Corleone. His name Vito Corleone because he's from Corleone. Yep. His name is Vito Andolini.
1: But you know, it's funny. Like that, I think that really did happen in Ellis
2: Island. Yeah, that's how they, that's times. how you used to get it. Is you would get where you were from, and like just like some uh, old school used to be, what you did like back in like old, olden days. Like, but Ellis Island would be it would be where you're from mixed with your name. Yeah. But they'll shorten your name. They'll get rid of the vowel, whatever they'll do to English it up. Freaking Brit bastards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, those are those are my those are all my fifteen facts. Um, finish off on the legacy <laughs> of the movie. I think it's the greatest sequel of all time. I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, I think the film. This is just my two cents on terms of legacy and what it did to sequels. I think the film added respectability to sequels as more than just a simple continuation, but opened the possibility of a sequel being better than its predecessor and Stand being up, rewarded for yeah. its brilliance. In 20-plus years of watching the film, I don't think there has ever been a film that has hit me more than Godfather 2. Godfather 2 is my favorite film of all time, and I think it will forever be a staple of my life. And Jenny, well, Jenny will know when we have kids. I will pass it down to my kids because classic films should never be forgotten. And that's my two- There says. needs to be
2: a streaming service for like classic films. There is. We have called, Disney plus, uh, God
0: damn it, Ryan. It's called Turner Classic, Turner classic Movies.
2: I don't know this. Sorry. <laughs> Inform the viewers, damn it. Listeners,
0: whatever. So, so Ryan, I want you to get TCM. You have TCM. All you need to do is download the app because you have, ca- you have uh, your cable provider. If you have Turner Classic Movies, you can download the app. Just log into your regular cable account, and you have all those TCM movies. You guys should check out some old movies this weekend come back nice. next week Ryan
1: let us know what you think well so in terms of legacy do you guys want to add anything else uh, no you know what I think everything you pretty much encapsulated in that was spot on like part two kind of like did prove the fact that you don't just have to be a continuation of part one you could be your own standalone film mm-hmm. um, it's tough because of you, you're so always remembering part one uh, but the performance is standalone though um, honestly Godfather 2 rewatching it was awesome um, yeah, no, I think it was a great, perfect, great, perfect great film. Great film. Rye, anything else to close out?
2: Um, the God, just like you, David Godfather series is one of my mom's favorite movies. I haven't really sat down and watched the Godfather movies since I lived with her and even back since I was a kid. So being able to rewatch them and watch them now as an adult gives me a whole new appreciation for these movies and just astounding work and one of the greatest movies of all time and just love it.
0: Perfect way to end it. Oh, wait, one hot take Godfather 3, not as bad as everyone says. <laughs> See you
2: next week, kids. <laughs> Bye.